Don't touch that doll. You're now tuned in to UET. Unsavory ethnic types. Welcome to the Unsavory Ethnic Types podcast. This is going to be a 0.5 episode. We were planning to release this later in summer, but unfortunately COVID happened and we've had to adapt. Usually we like to be in the same room and record, so this one was done over Zoom. We thought we'd uh, get this podcast out to you and address the situation. It's been a strange sort of a week, hasn't it? It's been a strange sort of couple of weeks, maybe like, how long has it been? Three weeks now, maybe? Two or three weeks since... Since the event, it's been been pretty pretty surreal in a pretty surreal environment. Anyway, yeah, we're basically talking post George Floyd. Uh, maybe eight minutes that changed the world. Basically, what what we're witnessing is the continuation of a a society that is racist to its to its uh, core structure. I think what we're doing here is trying to address it and call it out and basically say that we are in for raising awareness, intelligence and challenging people on, on such issues going forward. I'm, I, I'm not sure what year it was, but I was in LA, I had smoked a joint and I was watching the movie Apocalypse Now. It was like just after four o'clock in the morning and what, what, what later would become the known the Northridge earthquake happened. It felt like it started in my apartment. You know, I'm from east of the Mississippi. On this side, we don't know what earthquakes are about. I got to tell you something, man. Excuse me for burping. This shit was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Uh, a lot of things went through my mind. I was, I was like, not naked, but you know what I mean? Just, walk, just chilling in my boxes. Uh, I put my clothes on. I found a, my weed and some uh, a pipe and some and a lighter and and some money and my keys. All these things and while the earthquake is happening, while I'm experiencing what an earthquake is the first time, and I was certain that I would, might very possibly die. As a matter of fact, I remember I made a point not to scream just in case I lived. I wouldn't have to remember myself being vocally terrified, but I forgave myself for being terrified. That earthquake couldn't have been more than 35 seconds. This man kneeled on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Can you imagine that? This kid thought he was gonna die. He knew he was gonna die. He called for his mother. He called for his dead mother. I've only seen that once before in my life. My father, on his deathbed, called for his grandmother. When I watched that tape, I understood this man knew he was going to die. People watched it. People filmed it. And for some reason that I still don't understand, all these fucking police had their hands in their pockets. Who are you talking to? What are you signifying? That you can kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes 
and 46 seconds and feel like you wouldn't get the wrath of God. That's what is happening right now. It's not for a single cop. It's for all of it. Fucking all of it. I don't mean to get heavy, but we got to say something. And we have a responsibility to the listener, to ourselves, to, to our families and the people that work hard to get us here to, um, to make sure that for, for the future, uh, this is as ridiculous as, as I don't know, um, suffragettes campaigning for voting rights and the absurdity that that, 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 that brought about, uh, thinking about how backwards we were not so long ago. 100%. Um, it's just been a very emotional few weeks. It's a heavy few weeks. It's, it's tough. I think it would be, firstly, it obviously hits home to all of us. Obviously, you two more than Katassi and Cole, more so me and my brother who are from Sri Lankan heritage. But it's something that's really important to all of us and really, really freaking insensitive if we didn't talk about it and we care about it a lot. So we wanted to release this pod, the early version 0.5 to discuss the matters. Um, and also me and my brother Yadi just want to make it very clear that we are not trying to, you know, jump on the bandwagon or try and profit from BLM and whatnot. Like this is something that's really important to us and we're here to stand together. We support the BLM movement and yeah, man, like it's just, just shit that we're in a time where things like this are still, still happening. Um, but we're here together, here to be allies, here to support you guys, here to make the change. Cool. To back what my sister said, um, this is a this is a moment where it's really important to amplify black voices. Um, and as people on this podcast, we thought it would be useful for our like for our you know our colleagues, co-podcasters, to uh, to speak on this and to support them. And I think it is everyone's duty to support them. And uh, it's a movement, not a moment. And I. And I really feel that, like, I think you've had protests in every state of America. You've had multiple protests in different cities in the UK, all over the world. And I think it is, of course, about the awful murder of George Floyd, but it's, but it's more than that. It's about everyone that was killed by police, by police brutality before, right? Like, you know, Philander Castile, Sandra Bland, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, all of these, all these people, like young and old, male, female, who've been brutalized by the police and that's not i mean that's not just in america right like we are culpable here in the uk we uh, have the same we have the same racial bias same race policing and i think it is it's important that now that these now this kind of moment is happening hopefully these things get addressed and it's it's morphing more than just police reform right like there is there are now conversations around um, should you be taking down racist statues? Of course, like uh, Edward Coulson, who's currently in the drink in Bristol, was a slave owner. He was an awful man. Why should there be a statue of him? And I just think it's a crazy time. It's a like a like a horrific thing that happened, and it's. I think there is some good that is coming out of the situation. I mean, I think the only way. You want to stay hopeful and stay progressive, I guess. Um, yeah, that's my two cents. 
Um, thank you, guys. Um, I just think, yeah, as, as, as you've said, just to echo, um, it's just been, a, it's important to acknowledge the time that we are in and to pause and not to just continue as we were, hence touching on this topic. Um, I think it's important to state for me that I don't feel like I'm an expert on BLM and I'll be the first to admit that I don't actually understand this, the BLM movement and who's actually behind it. But despite that, of course, seeing um, black people being brutalized and that the barrage of violence and what's just happened at Atlanta and um, with Rashad, of course, those things speak to me and they affect me. It's not even just about the death of Floyd. It's, it, it speaks to everyone that Yavi's mentioned and also knowing that in the UK, black people are more likely to be stopped than their white counterparts and to die in police custody. And it's a shame that we can't read off those names as much as we can, the American names, because I think we live in a, in a place where we think, well, this isn't happening to us and the UK isn't racist like that. Yeah, it's a heavy time. And I think there's a lot of pressure on people to have an opinion as well. Anybody following the whole J. Cole thing? What did J. Cole say? I miss, I've missed it. Okay, so no name, no, no name called him out on the internet yes, a couple of weeks ago, called out rappers for not coming forward or people with big platforms for not sort of talking about Black Lives Matter and amplifying the, the movement with all the, all the leverage they have. He dropped a track about two days ago saying something about her tone and wishing that she could educate him more on the subject as opposed to being called out for not speaking out and kind of speaking to the fact that it's okay not to have an opinion on this. I don't know if I, don't know if I disagree and maybe it's not me to tell you. Just to say, because people deal with trauma very differently. Yeah, um, but this yeah. is what I was going to say. In terms of like opinion, I, you know what you said about not having an opinion? I think it's, okay, I think it's important to at this point in time, I actually personally feel like it's everybody's responsibility to notice what's happening right now and to have an opinion. But I'm not saying that means that you need to know everything about it because I, for one, need to learn shitloads. You may be a black person that's lived your whole life and felt like you've never experienced racism, in which case you may think that you're living in a world where it's not that bad. It's not that bad in the UK or I've never experienced, you know what I mean? Mm. But I think on a human level, given what happened to him and what's happened to so many people before that's happened here as well i think on a human level is people need to take responsibility and start educating themselves and have an opinion use their voice and now is the time to try and drive for a change that's just stayed with us for so many years and we're in 2020 it cannot continue Okay, so just to, just to clarify, I don't think I mean that you don't have to have an opinion, but you don't have to vocalise your opinion. You don't have to be on Twitter and social media. And I, that I agree. You know, or because we know that people have opinions, have their own agendas too. People are jumping on the bandwagon. We know companies are doing this too. So just because you're talking doesn't mean that you are down for the movement or that you are actually there for the cause. It's not like, you know, black women or it's not like people of colour's job to educate people about racism like you're already carrying a lot of other shit like you don't need to carry that and uh, that that was just that's that's where i got it um actually it's really important that we do talk about like like anti-blackness because there is like a lot of anti-blackness in like the asian community mm. i know like i've run into it you've run into it um like and it's, it's it's wrapped up in lots of different stuff it's wrapped up in like um like like colorism i think like, it stems like, from yeah, I think I feel like the slavery and colonization and that, you know, then that stems into colorism and then that's how it kind of I feel like it's all all linked. 
and it just washed I think, out. And I think you're right. I think cause if if you think of racism as a as a, a social construct to achieve power by a certain group of people, you use the system by, as a as a way of ranking, and then you you kind of impeach it into all the colonies that you 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 know that you create by 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 forceful taking over by hostile hostile takeover and occupation and then the people that are of that are then so deep in the mire that even if they are trying to get out it's 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 like how can you see the wolf of the trees uh, or whatever phrases i'm mixing together into one um so it's it was, i was talking the other day about being an afro-caribbean person versus being an afro-american because although there's a, we've both got histories of slavery and have that, that that thing in common that sort of that west african movement there's also the thing of to them their their home and their heritage isn't even a place that is now black you know it's, it's still a place that is predominantly you know jamaica barbados etc are, 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 are former colonies and colonized because of this but have now got their independence their, their nations their own right they've they, produced music and culture that the world recognizes whereas american culture it, it's like saying um oh yeah well if I, if I was to move back home it'd be wisconsin you know that's that's more, that's that, you know, that that's their history is so deep that once you get past the racism there's still the problem of their living in the land that 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 is both their home and never been their home so you it's your home but you've never been welcome there so so i think it's a, it's an extra layer when it comes to comes to the racism that they deal with which is why it's so shocking to see it so 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 sustained so overt and so sustained even in a, in a time when we feel like it's a modern time i mean the uk is, is again an institutionally racist um i was i was and i was talking about a, a, a friend of mine a successful friend of mine who um who literally just about a couple of weeks before George Floyd happened, got arrested on an attempted murder charge. Uh, he's a Nigerian man, um, well, I say a British man of Nigerian descent, just to make that differentiation. He got taken to the police station, held, held up in the cell for 13 hours, and they released him for obviously not being involved. He found out that they'd got his details by basically searching, or I think it's a Google search, which is even more insulting, the name Tolu, and then finding the most prominent toll in the area. In terms of risking somebody's life on COVID, get going to their house, it's definitely not just a US thing. It's definitely a, a global intrinsic thing. I just thought I needed to address that because although it feels like the, it, some people could feel like the cause is an American problem, it's something that is that affects us all. And for that reason, I think it's the same. It's, it's important that people of all ethnic minorities, although it's a black movement, and I stress that, are part of the conversation because the knocking down of doors for one race of one for one situation opens it for everybody and i think that's going to be important going forward as well i don't want to explain your point for you but like that is so explicitly racist that they just googled someone with oh you know that, that if it was john if they googled yeah. the first john and it was fucking john terry they're not kicking john terry's door down no um, exactly like it's it's shocking and like it feels explicitly racist and like um i was looking at some statistics the other day and it's like um if if like if you're a black brit you're eight times more likely to get tasered by the police so it it, it might not be that there's the same lethality and don't, but, but by no means do we not have racist deaths in custody but like 
I think it's the lethality because our police don't carry guns. Yeah. Like, um, That's basically the most lethal thing you can have in this police, in, you know, in this country. You can't you don't get shootings, but you do get, you, you do get, as you say, tasers, people dying in police custody. It's only 2017, there was a Ed, Edson da Costa, there was like a, Portug- a black man of Portuguese origin who um, died in police custody. And that was 2017. In those situations, they use, in this country especially, I feel like they use smoke and mirrors to hide the reality. I think with Mark Duggan was a great example of that. You know, we, we still never really got to the bottom of why he was shot. Or um, uh, despite a riot informant, you know, there was, and that was what, 2008, I think? So I, I think the thing of, oh, well, we're in this, we're in this time of our life, we're, we're in this, this, this should, you know, like we're in 2020 now, there should never be racism in 2020. It can, it can go back as far as the 80s and 90s, you know, there should never be racism, but we're all aware of it. it. It's just one of those things that, as you say, will keep on being there. And it's now just up to us to be the people calling it out and people addressing it and people educating those people who are ignorant to the, to the reality of it. Um, with, yeah, and with the Mark Duggan thing, I do, want to, I do want to say, like, um, people should look into the details of that case because there were, I think there were three separate reports that got rewritten, um, and one of them, one of them was rewritten to indicate that Mark Duggan had a gun and mm. fired at a police officer, um, and subsequently, like, an inquiry found that because uh, a police officer had like damaged police equipment because um, a police radio uh, got uh, hit and shattered or whatever, um, but actually, it transpired that 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 the bullet, it was like crossfire. So the bullet that destroyed that other policeman's radio was fired from a policeman. When I talk about the round that's fired um, and lodged into a police radio, that's from the Independent Police Complaints Commission, and it's from an update they issued on the 9th of August 2011. Um, and so like, the more you look into it, the more like it is horrible details of that case. Like, um, um, yeah, and it's it's stuff like that where I think is it that we don't have media that will hold hold our police to, to the fire like hold them to like public scrutiny I, I, mm, mm. I, I why would him. they when the narrative is clearly he's an angry uh, gangster black man yeah because yeah. we know that there's media outlets in America that are portraying these peaceful marches for example to being something else you know um i think it's about the level of anger that's being displayed and the number of people out on the streets protesting and this 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 understanding that actually this is a very significant moment but we still i think here are in this little low around let's talk about the statues for a moment people saying well should the statues go do they represent our history again this is this denial and acceptance that this is still a very racist country and this is the heart of empire also katati you know what you said about the protest firstly they were protesting in america about um lockdown right and then even here the far-right protesters who are much more aggressive than the blm um, protesters the way that was, it was hardly shown in the media the same way that the BLM protesters were. And it, it just reflects the racism in our system. And I'm sorry, like, I, you know, you guys are keeping it together. And I don't know how, because black people have been going through this for so long. I'm at a point in my life and after everything, I'm fucking fed up. <laughs> sorry to swear, but like, mm. sorry, but COVID, how it affected BME people, Grenfell, Mark Duggan, Stephen Lawrence, there's so many cases. To me, it's not even a fucking conversation anymore. The UK is still racist. And you know what? A few years ago, I might have even questioned that myself. But 
I just can't anymore, man. <laughs> like, it's very apparent. It's in our faces. Like, Grenfell, mm. nobody's been held account for that. 72 mm. people have died, and probably more that they didn't freaking, you know, tell us about. And when you look at the pictures of those people, there's three-year-old children. There's people of colour. They just don't care. <laughs> that's that's mm. my conclusion from all of this. To jump okay. on that Grenfell thing, because uh, I think this is worth repeating ad nauseum. Jacob Rees-Mogg, MP, uh, said that the, the people that, uh, I'm going to paraphrase him, but please look up the original quote, basically said that, that, that those people that died during the, the fire at the Grenfell Tower deserved it because they didn't use common sense because they were following um, the advice that was given to them. And because they didn't use common sense, they kind of deserved to die. Please look at the original quote, but I think it's those sort of fucking cretins that are in our government. They, they simply don't give a shit. Also, again, you know sorry, that they were to told to people. stay in. Sorry, but the, you know that they were told initially to stay in. So how the fuck are they turning around and saying that? Yeah, I mean, let's go to like Rab's comment about how taking a, taking a bow relates to Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, uh, to, to, sorry, does everyone know about this? So Dominic Rab today, or maybe it was yesterday, was being asked about like Black Lives Matter and like the the... TV news presenter or anchor asks him, would you take, would you kneel? Would you take the bow? He's like, well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, this bow comes from um, Game of Thrones. This is a minister of foreign affairs who doesn't actually know what's happening on the other side of the pond or refusing to acknowledge, you know, the current climate they're in and the origins of like resistance and protest. And then he says, I'd only bow of a queen and um, when I ask my lady to marry me. These are the people that we've elected. And, and, and for me, just hearing that just makes me really just want to disconnect from just listening to the news because this, this information does not serve me and it does not empower me. If anything, it just makes me feel like our lives are worthless. And if uh. power can degrade us to that level, diminish our pain, it doesn't seem, it seems like important to just create a vacuum around yourself too so that you protect yourself mentally. I hear that. Um, I know I get you. I think you're right. It kind of adds to a situation, a feeling of helplessness and powerlessness that you got when you saw the video in the first place, right? It kind of rings home ever true when when these are the these are the conversations had after a massive global event that's that's shifted the paradigm for everybody. That a politician in that level of position, you know, power can sort of still trivialize something that so for so many people is so important. Just shows you kind of how out of the loop they are in terms of knowing about the people and how kind of out of the loop we need to be in terms of our action like we, I think um I saw a good quote from it was it was it was um I think it might have been in the breakfast club basically just saying that the the, the key to our the key to the, the minorities and their 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 successful their success and prosperity beyond this is kind of not trying to go through a political route, not trying to be part of the system, not trying to petition your government to do this or expect your those leaders to to be the people that are going to be our saviors. Because essentially, I mean, it, as far back as the Bible, as all the you know, the whole the Torah, the those the politicians have been the people serving the kings and the rich people and themselves. And they'll be the people that are gonna that, that are gonna reform us or bring about positive change we need so essentially it should really be about our, our communities knowing that the, the key to our prosperity is to look within ourselves 
is to spend within ourselves, is to build our own networks, is to knock the door down for, for whoever needs it. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all about, it's, it's all on our shoulders. It's always been on our shoulders, but I think realizing that it's actually always going to be on our shoulders. Because everything seems like it's the same flavor with a different label on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, we have, I think that as a people, we have invested too much uh, into politics and not enough into spiritual reform and economic uh, reform of our people. We made a big mistake, I believe, in the 60s and the 50s and the 40s fighting for civil rights when we should have been fighting for silver rights. Yeah. We should have been doing more independent economic affairs instead of wasting so much time trying to get them to accept us. We had, at the time, before integration, we had black hotels, black cab companies, black bus companies, black restaurants. And as soon as white people said, y'all can come and eat with us and sleep with us and, 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 and ride in our cars, all of ours went out of business. Integration meant disintegration because we misappropriated into civil rights instead of civil rights. Today, we're doing the same with politics. We are putting too much of our vested interest into electing a benevolent white person into office or a Negro that's going to be the manager of white people's affairs to become the highest uh, position in the land. We need to invest more time in the spiritual development and economic development as a people. I've never read in the Bible or Holy Quran where a politician ever freed a people. In fact, every time I read the scripture, the politicians were always in cahoots with the rulers and the kings that were the enemies of the messengers and the prophets. You, I, I like what you said about economic empowerment because I've been reading a lot about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You know, I'm reading a lot from his attorney, Dr. William Pepper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everybody knows Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. As soon as he made that pivot from civil, li- civil rights to civil, to civil rights, that's, right. that's when he got, he got killed. That, that is whenever they killed. And his, his wife said it mm-hmm. before she passed. She said that they killed my Martin because he got involved in economics. See, the, the, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said it like his. He said, business is the activity of life. This is the responsibility of any people that have, have their own. Right now, do you know we brought in $1.3 trillion last year as a people? Mm. Out of 226 nations on the earth, that makes black people in America the eighth richest nation. And we don't have nothing we can call our own. Something happened to us. We, we got to get back into what, what they call today uh, 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 financial literacy. But we got to do it quick because we got to start doing something uh, for ourselves. We got the dollars. We just need some more sense to go with them dollars. So I've been like going back and forth with myself for weeks about what I can do. And actually it's weird because I think I might have even said to you, Carl, or anyone that I think that has, a, you know, that understands politics or has, you know, is a good like spokesman. I'm like, when are you going to start a party? When are you going to start a party? Yeah. Like yeah. And for at the start, I, yeah, I've just been going back and forth. So like, what can I do as an individual, you know, and I was doing the petitions I've donated, I've, raised awareness i'm trying to do stuff mm. at work i'm going to webinars blah, 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 doing all of that and i'm like because part of me is like how see what you said makes such a good point because it's about putting into our communities supporting each other but then so it, well, this is the thing because then do we just accept it if, if we're not going to yeah. try and 
get into the system what are we doing staying outside of the system and trying to make the change i don't know i just don't know i'm going back and forth to myself. no you're right i get that there's no one answer yet but i think it's now it's, it's about we've had the conversations about trying to peacefully protest and peacefully ever since and so and the guy was saying basically this is a good point martin luther king got shot the moment he stopped campaigning for civil rights and started looking at financial economic independent rights that's when he that's when he got dangerous when we remove that 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 our, our value to the economy which is basically what the whole castle is based on it's about our well, labor it's about our our bodies being on the front line so that there, there doesn't have to be it's about our people suffering more so they, they get the benefits so i think it's i think there's no one answer but it's it's, it's good to be in that mindset rather than okay one day there'll be another black president it's like no we won't need that black president because all these black business owners will have <laughs> made black cars and and black groceries so that if the if it, if it really needs to be we don't really need to be sat at the table we make our own table and we and we govern our life that way i think it's really powerful to think about the grassroots but i also think they space for like different approaches so if we yeah. john boyega's approach which has been really hard-lined and militant and say versus um georgia poets which seems a little bit more um flowery but like no i wouldn't say flowery because he's very grounded and he's he's, he's coming on statistics but it's more like um a piece of like what's the word like palatable for white people from oh yeah my, without the edge softer and i and i think that's really important if i'm honest mm. um True. uh like, like i've been following what george has been doing and um actually I, I really enjoy his podcast um i think he's very talented um but it, i enjoy Sorry, excuse me, just to pause for a moment to pick up the Ugandan. <laughs> pick up Ugandan. Uganda gang. Pick up Uganda, yeah. Gang gang. No, <laughs> No, like I think he's very talented, and I think he's doing he's doing an amazing job with that. And I think it is it's important to have these multitudes to go to go off the back of what Carl said. I'm a big uh, Run the Jewels fan. Killer Mike had said two like basically when you were talking about it, it, it reminded me of like basically three things that Killer Mike said. One, uh, one was uh, never forgetting the story of Jesus, the hero got killed by the state. The mm. the second one is that he talks about in his TV show Trigger Warning. He talks about how in America there's uh, money stays in different communities certain amounts of time and he says that it's I think it's like in Jewish communities it stays in with about like 28 days like 30 to 28 days 21 days in like Asian communities and it's six hours in the black community in America mm. and he's like no we need to read we need to redress that right because it's it's just wealth dissipating out of the community and I think you're 100% right I think supporting black businesses is very 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 important and I don't think it's just people I think everybody should be supporting black businesses right i don't think it's just keeping the money in the community i think it's putting money into the community mm. like like and, and it's, you know there's, there's myriad of ways right i think that's i think that's important to say um it's, it shouldn't just be us doing it it should be everybody doing it and then the last thing i think is i understand i understand the idea of like sectioning yourself off and going like you know what don't need you got my own table and that's really important but if you don't have a seat at the table, they don't care. Like, if you're not there, 
with a hand on the steering wheel. Mm, mm. They're going to drive the car wherever they want. If they're not held to account, like think about stuff they did when, when there are, there is some engagement in the system, right? And they were like, you know, we're going to do the hostile environment and we're going to do like the fucking Windrush scandal. Like we're going to deport people that have paid in the system for 40 years. Mm. If we take our hand off the wheel, do you know what I mean? If there's no accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, so I think I think it's important to do. I think it's incredibly important to like on a ground level support support people and to have these charities and have our support and like have a have a, a more established support network, right? Like like um, mutual aid and all the rest of it. The, the last thing is that, again a killer mic lyric that goes, um, "Who will feed our pe- if none of us grow if none of us own acres and none of us grow wheat? Well, who will feed our people when our people need to eat?" And I think mm. there's that keeping some redundancies built into our social systems and like keeping like it's just community based or whatever like i think that's important as well i can't disavow engaging with the political side of it because if we on mass do they'll run russia over us yeah this is the thing because as together we are if we are a force right together and we i think we definitely can make a difference and also it's weird that you touch a killer mic because i've seen that episode and i thought it was a really good episode but actually Something he said at the start when this all happened, he also said, bully the politicians. Now, I, now I wouldn't, like, I'm not somebody that encourages bullying, I'll just make it clear, so I wouldn't use that word. But I understand, like, if we put the pressure at some point, that, that's my thinking, at some point, mm. hopefully, it's gonna, the lid's gonna blow off, right? And changes will have to be made and people will have to be held accountable. And, well, I'd like to think that again. I don't know. No, I, 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 don't I, know I think, I think but... you make a good point. Isn't the reason I, I think it's both of those points could be the same things, and you can create. We can create a black party. We can create a minority ethnic party. That's that's definitely something we can actually do. I'm not saying that it would. We necessarily get into into polit into the position of power, or prime minister, or whatever. That wouldn't be the cause. The cause would be like, like you know, not like on the far right did it with um, UKIP. They, they had an they had agenda. They just used a, a, a figurehead to agitate people into gradually pushing it one way. And I think that's that. Why not use the technique of the racists against them? And that's going up to the table and, and but still creating your own sort of marrying that 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 philosophy together. I think the 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 positive, the rays of light that comes out of this is that we are having these conversations now. And these are the conversations that. Um, sorry, not the conversations. We are having the conversations, but those conversations are going to lead to action because we're still we're still feeling the pain of what we've all kind of been traumatized by. Just off the back of that, um, a lot of politics, like, is based on like trying to disenfranchise us. I'm not super well versed in like English politics, but I know there's this thing called the Southern Strategy, where like Republicans flatly knew if like if all the black people vote, like this ain't going to go well for us. Mm. So they're actively trying to disenfranchise people from voting. It isn't like uh, I know it's a, I think it was a Reagan era, a Reagan era tactic, um, mm. and it's and so it's the thing of like if we disenfranchise ourselves, we're not going like we're playing into their hands. I I can't remember the details because I read the article very quickly. I think one of the companies I don't know if they they own pubs or whatever, but I think they were involved in the slave trade a while ago. Green King, uh, that's right. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah. So they are going to start paying money into black communities. I just wanted to ask you, how, you, how would you feel about that if a whole load of companies turned around and said, you know what, how many years ago we were involved in this and now we accept it, put our hands up that we, you know, earn money for you guys in such an inhumane way and we're going to put money into the black community now. How would you feel about that? Um, I think that's really important. And like, as citizens, we need to educate ourselves on many of the establishments that we go to, that we enjoy go, like attending. So 
what's that center near the South Bank, which is basically owned by like Britain's biggest sugar company, the, the Tate, right? Tate and Lyle goes back to um, plantations and, and slavery. So on Barclays and pears, so there's a number of these, these businesses that are part of our everyday consumption that we refuse to acknowledge. Um, and we've got people walking around us who are just like living off of the, their heritage and like their slave ownership. Um, so I think that's, I, 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 have, I can't see what's wrong with that um, in terms of putting money back and accepting that, yes, this is our legacy. Um, but it, I think a lot of stuff has to be followed with affirmative action. So whilst I'm all for making noise and being heard and being listened to, there's something to be said about black organizations. So when I look at the BLM movement, for me, BLM UK, I'll be specific, it's just not really clear what the demands are entirely for me. Like I couldn't rule them off for you. Um, sorry, just to go back to a previous point around supporting black businesses. So I follow this one company called Jammy and it's, it's run by a Caribbean woman, British Caribbean woman, it's a black, it's a black business card essentially. So you sign up, you pay like 24 pounds and you get to these black establishments. But then since um, the protests and whatnot, there've been all these other ones that I've seen and mushrooming them, mushrooming them up or perhaps haven't already existed. So again, if we can't just like organize and mobilize as having one standard black business card, it just begs the question like how much further can we go in organizing ourselves as a community? Also, I just want to say that, you know what you, and, and maybe this is a controversial, maybe it's not, I don't know. I think I think it's very important to put money into black businesses, right? But I think it's also again you need to look which businesses you're putting your money into because you don't want somebody that's going to capitalize off certain things and that just don't actually care about the community and just care about themselves, right? Or, and and like repl replicating the negative impacts of capitalism, mm. you know, just because it's black doesn't mean that it's serving good. Is it a social? Yeah. It's, well, it's and whatnot. I think just to jump off Katassi's point, I think Fred Hampton said the solution to white capitalism isn't black capitalism. And I'm inclined to agree with one of the leaders of the Black Panther Party. But also money is a thing. Money is a is a is a uh. thing. It's a real thing in our in our real world that really makes a difference. And I think mm. yeah, while rampant capitalism isn't good for anyone, if you're gonna spend that that bucks, you know, in a big fucking conglomeration of a shop, like put it in the hand of an, an individual probably need it a bit more yeah that's true and and i, I agree with tassie entirely i think that i think it's the omission of of the need to to pay reparations as well as the, the gesture that's important so i think uh, she's right in that there are so many companies that are built like old money companies you can almost say that the, the term is almost synonymous with colonialism profiteering that, that you can then hide years later with, with, in offshore accounts in other brown countries. So I think that's important. I, I also think that the economic independence of our people is part of the organization. I think organizing ourselves and mobilizing ourselves kind of means everybody knowing that there's an option to buy black or to help other, you know, other people's businesses thrive or to make sure that we create wealth within in a situation because money does talk. You can see, in adverts and things like that recently even you know before this this happening the, the, the diversity increasing and i don't think it's because companies are being less racist i think it's because they know that there's value in the ethnic pounds so you'll see more like i don't know like ma magazine covers or adverts with people with people of color in them i think that speaks to how much financial power we do have i think i remember in the black panther film being one of the highest grossing films of all time specifically because of, of black interest in that and I think that's 
that's the kind of if, if we can do it for a film or we can do it for you can see like um black artists british and american being independent label owners and creating their wealth and i think that's the key i think that's the key to to bringing about that change because there'll be a point where we don't need to we don't need that big check to be in a, you know an, an nba star we, we're not going to be hampered by that our business owners will have the power to to sanction things in our interests and that will that will in itself dictate our terms on the table you know the, that's the funny thing is in my community the ugandan community that i'm a part of we always reference how asian people do it so asian mm. seem to be very good at keeping the money and you know and it's always referenced like oh why why is it that they can do it so like i guess it'd be interesting to hear from you two about like what your views are on that like how is it that there's this more assumed solidarity and this yeah, and this ability to keep money within your communities. I mean, firstly, I'd just like to say I don't have no money. <laughs> um, also, I don't, in terms of Asian, I think it just depends as well on where, because see, for me, when you say that nice. Indian people spring to mind, not Gujarati. Sri Lankans, so where's Sri Lankan? Yeah, exactly. Gujarati or maybe Punjabi. Do you know what? I don't know as well if a lot of that stems from, especially if people have come from India or Sri Lanka or wherever, and they've come here and then they're like, you have to work hard, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you have to have a, you know, go and be a pharmacy and then run your business. And it's, maybe it's a, in a way the same thing that you guys, not to the same extent, obviously, but, you know, you're taught that we have to work hard to be successful, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's kind of the drive, but, you know, you say we keep it in the, I'm just not sure. I, I feel like whoever has the money has the money. When, uh, well, I tell, I'll tell you this, right? As in, Yavi just spoke. Again. The statistics that Yavi reeled off a bit earlier on indicate that it's not. This isn't just a perception; it's a fact. Hmm. So. Um, those were American statistics, but British, Asian, Tamil. Um, I do again. I, I do think what you're talking about is more of a, a North Indian thing. But I'll give you some examples that I am aware of. There'll be obviously more. There are very specific things. So going to school, I'd walk to school, and there would be a Tamil shop. There'd be a couple of different corner shops or whatever, like on the way to school. But I would, I'd always stop at the, the one that was like the Tamil shop. One, because the guy was Tamil, spoke, spoke to me in Tamil. So it was that as opposed to like, um, there's, there's that one close to, there's one close to school, it was like an older white guy and he was just not standoffish, but just, you know, a regular retail experience. So there was that, there was less amicability, not amicability, that's not the word. Camaraderie is not the right word. It's just, I don't know, just less familiarity, I guess. Um, I would be putting it in a in a brown man's hands as opposed to this other guy that was like, so it, it might be that, so it might be a subconscious thing. Asian people love gold. Um, Asian women hold, in. there is more gold in private ownership of women, like in households in India than there is in Fort Knox. Wow. Like as in, wow. But if you go around to it or whatever, it's all West End Julius. Like it's not you. You don't. You wouldn't buy Asian gold. You don't buy yellow Asian gold from like white people from white stores, right? So that's, mm, that's big true. bit. And like, and saris are expensive, and all these things are expensive. Mm. But you only put that money in the hands of a brown person, mm. like in, in, in an Asian person, because it's a very specific cultural item. And like, I guess it's that thing where like you hold on to your culture so pin tight. Um, it's that, and then there's also other things that like, um, well, like lots of Asian families will like group together and buy a house together. Um, and I think, I think again, I think it's more North Indian than, our, than like us Sri Lankan. I suppose say us Indian, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Can I just say, yeah. Yadi, just what of what you're saying, though, I don't know. I think that 
the gold thing and the saris is very much cultural though right and mm. maybe there's that element and i'm sure it happens in a lot of other ethnic minority communities of even if you're from a poor background you still have to have when you're showing up to a wedding or whatever you still mm. wear that sari and you wear that gold around your neck it doesn't mean that you've come from a wealthy background or that you have a lot of money in the bank or whatever like I mean you can even be you know you, you may not even own your house you may be renting but you will still have gold right and I think there's a cultural thing to that also yeah, what I would like absolutely. to say in terms of um, Asian communities and maybe this happens with people of color a lot where we don't support and lift one another up which is probably a whole load of reasons colors and whatever there's loads of reasons for it, I'm sure but um, I think it's very easy like here poverty does definitely run through you know the Asian communities and I think if you've come here and you set up a business and whatnot then you're fine and you're successful and you keep your community and you keep your family good but there are lots of people that come here and are not successful or uh you know earning minimum wage or really struggling and run, doing a few jobs you know for example during Covid for example the Bengali population were really um affected by that Covid decimated, yeah. yeah in fact I think they were, I think they might have been the worst when it came to death. I know black people were more likely to get it, but I think in death rates, they were worse, but look it up. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's that thing where we, we just don't support and lift one another up. That's my opinion anyway. I think if Yeah, you've got and I also think when people are talking about like, oh, the Asian community is really good with money, they're not talking about the Bengali people that are like cleaning the offices in Canary Wharf. Like they're like- The Pakistani cab drivers that, you know- Yeah, like, you're, you're talking about like the Rishi Sunaks, who's like, yeah, I mean, like- Mr. Um, Pretty Patels. The, yeah, like, like of Ugandan her Asian heritage, and you know, again, it talks. Of, it's a, it's again that elitism that exists, you know, hmm. in the sense that they don't they're not representative of like the wider communities. I think there's that there is a thing where like you will you always focus on the like oh they're doing really well how do they do that like as opposed to uh, being a bit more new yeah as opposed to like the the man that's been working in the same corner shop for thirty years. But I mean, like, it's a really difficult conversation to have because. This the idea of like the black pound, for example, like that Carl's described and that vision essentially results in taking away from like other minorities, right? Because if I think about people who own places I go to and consume, so I mean, at the moment, I'm not using anything on my hair, I'm just using water and um, twisting. But if you think about who owns a black establishment, like places where we buy our produce from, say, right, Carl, like. Uh -huh. Um, Peckham Market, you will see that most of the shops are owned by um, South Asian people. Hair stores are owned by South Asian men running it. They don't even have women in there giving you instructions or whatever. Basutis are traditional wear, like where my mother and her well, would go and get our uh, materials and fabric in Shepherd's Bush are owned by South Asians. So in empowering ourselves, there's something to be said about taking away from other communities. It's, it's complex and also goes back to what we briefly touched on but didn't really go into around like the anti-blackness that exists in those communities and um, they're not employing black people in these shops as well are they so it's but they're also probably Katasi um, employing people that have come here and that are getting a very low wage so the people this is the thing right I bet you the owners of the shop are, are very wealthy but the people yeah. they've got you know on the tills are people that have come here and struggling and I'm not saying that's why I do think, yeah, they should put black, it would make sense to have black people in black hair shops, right? But yeah, but if it's just going to be tokenistic, then it's, for me, it's pretty redundant. So I guess my overall point here is like this idea of like using broad terms like people of colour and fame kind of sweep over like the, the, the bigger issues and the detail.
that's a political thing and they're putting us that's not come from asian people saying we're bame right that's come from white people being able to deal with ethnic minorities and putting us into one umbrella because it's easier to be like oh yeah the bame's over there they say say bame because they can't say you people anymore (laughs) essentially sure but then we 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 use these terms don't we we started owning them and owning them that's true i I just want to touch on black hair um Go ahead. Pun intended. Nice. That, sound, that, sounds, that sounds a bit uh, controversial there, Yadi. <laughs> Leave my hair out of it. <laughs> um, uh, I just, I'm just really interested in the texture. Um, no, <laughs> not, <laughs> not that. Um, I have a very, 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 very limited experience with this. But my first job that I had for a week, because I was like, fuck this for a game of soldiers, was in a black hair shop. It was through a friend of a friend. Like my, my parents knew someone that needed someone and they needed like a shop boy. So I think at like 16 or whatever, I'd popped in the shop. And it wasn't, if you asked me what the products were and if you asked me what a Yaki Weave was, couldn't tell you. All I did was keep the line straight and, uh, and you know, make sure it wasn't dusty and try and upsell the tweezers that were at the front counter. That, that, as in, that was all I did. And I was like, you know what, I'm on my feet. This, I'd rather just sit at home and play PlayStation. I, w- I will say like that, I think it's like, not is that nepotism or is that like, you just go into, you, like if you're an Asian person, you go into your network, which is generally Asian people. So the people that you get in your shop, that is a, explicitly a black hair care shop or afro hair yeah like you're gonna have someone that like i couldn't tell you now i couldn't tell you now what products to use in your hair i mean so i think it's i think it's that so i don't think it's like as insidious as it would seem like oh no no we're gonna go in and take that thing but i think it's more insidious the higher up and the more in i think it's insidious in organizations and in politics and things like that i'm not so sure it's as insidious uh in like local like a hair shop I think that's more sometimes I think it's a case of oh we know this person that's just come from so and so uh they need some money and they're just going to give them a job right like some of yeah, these people or this, are coming or this and person's really son struggling. needs a, needs a couple of shifts or whatever that was my experience of like working in a black hair care shop for a week okay that's really <laughs> because it's interesting when I hear language used by non-white people that white people use so like I dare say this might be an example of, well, maybe it's just a coincidence, you know, but I've got my auntie in here who happens to be white and my cousin Tom who happens to be white. It's just my network. But then actually when we look at patterns and we actually look at structures, if we started following the money, who's distributing um, those hair products that, you know, this is clannish type behavior, I hate to say, that it's just not coincidence and isn't just insidious. And I think that these business, establishments or these relationships are made to, to leave others out and it's not like I've seen white people running these shops as well it's you know I think but also Katasi maybe they found a maybe back when like they found a gap in the market where nobody had opened up shop right and to by the way to your point about if black people were to open it up and it would take away from them I don't think there's anything wrong with that I think no, that's the case. I think that. No, that's I don't. I don't think that. anyone's got a problem no. with that, and I think and, you'd and, rather and, buy and, hair care products from an expert. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think 100%. you're right. I think that's that's funny enough. Um, on Sydenham High Street, uh, just shouting out a local area, there is a black hair shop. In fact, a couple, but one that I I use myself called Essence of Nature. That's completely black owned. I've had a conversation with the with the guy about it. What he said actually was interesting. Um, in terms of when he started um that the products that he would buy wholesale you have to buy at a slightly higher price because again the wholesaler might be in 
from a, an Asian background and they're again giving his family or friends discounts and that kind of stuff whatever the fact is he's established his business he makes his money and my my concern now isn't to think about what the I've, I've had enough I've had enough thinking oh my gosh well, these are things that are stopping me these are things that are going to make it harder yeah fair enough they're, they're all going to happen because that's life but what I my responsibility is to pr promote that now that's my so obviously promoting that that um, shop Essence of Nature, um, black owned, if you want to buy black hair products for them, black employees um, will know about, you know, whatever shea butter you need to use or et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so and what I'm going to do, what I've circulated recently to, to this end is a list of black owned businesses from estate agents, bakeries, you know, um, inter interior design, personal trainers, that kind of thing. Um, to all my family, to all my friends, uh, I'm not saying that you only have to buy black now, and that will that will change it for the better. But having that mentality, starting it here, bringing it forward, that's how we evolution. That's that's how we evolve from the situation. That's how we get something out of of seeing the injustice. That's sorry. That's one aspect in my mind to to getting to 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 ending the the disproportionate way we're being treated um, to think about, well, there's, there's a community that we can we can draw on for anything and everything, whether that be financial support, anti-bullying, help at work, you know, getting flowers, buying bread, yeah. whatever. Just just think that there, there's a, there, there has to be a community feel to it going forward. And that's what I think I, I have in my power to promote. And I just want to say, if any of the listeners want that, we'll be more than happy to share that with you. And if you've got it, any recommendations if you've got something that you can share with us we can like we can disseminate that i think that's really important to like even with us using this platform to spread that definitely definitely it's still it's still one drop in an ocean of you know tide that that will go against us and it feels like it's going to be a, a fight that our children's children might still be fighting just because of how how intrinsic it is but the ray of light in the the, the real darky storms darker stormy times is that i think people have had enough and have had it up to here and they're fucked as people said earlier fuck this now we're now we're doing not we're doing something to change it absolutely and i think on like for our generation it's very different to our parents because i don't think our parents have the liberty to have this kind of outward rage um you know because they were all about assimilation whereas we, we we've got our books we've got our red passports haven't we so we're good yeah but, but also, can I just say off the back of that, I just think it's really important now for people of colour and not saying, you know, we don't all go through the same thing. The black lived experience is very different, for example. But I think it's really important we stick together. And I think as one force, we're so much stronger. And this whole oppression Olympics and all of that stuff and like turning on each other, it, it doesn't get us anywhere and we'll end up in the same boat. So we need to learn to stick together. And I think we've not been very good at that over over time. It's important to stick together um, and I think it's important to continue to call people out like Pretty Patel um, and people who are in places of power that are just replicating white supremacy. Yeah, 100%. For that, as long as we're having like really honest conversations. Completely agree. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, uh, well, as we say, Pretty Patel is an enemy of this podcast. <laughs> um, official, first enemy of the podcast, Pretty Patel. Second enemy, Boris Johnson. Pretty Patel said that her own parents wouldn't get into the country under her immigration, like under her immigration proposals. Like, oh that's insane. Like, she also said that she's not experienced racism, but then was called a packy. It's been pretty intense this this part of the conversation. 
Um, so we were going to leave you on something nice there. Um, the the most <laughs> the most powerful weapon we have is like love, like love and unity, and like mm-hmm. that's the the way things will get better is if we just like relentlessly just love each other and look out for each other and like and that isn't just like oh yeah man you're my brother i love you like no no like so that support businesses call out racism like like if you're in a capacity to hire um black people like women whatever like like do it right we all need to just like pull each other up make it make each other strong like that's that's what the hell we need to do you know russian tv do you watch russian tv just for tonight. tea no so I was watching RT yesterday and they were talking about how Hillary Clinton and Obama on the bandwagon around um, BLM. And if they really cared, why did they um, destabilize Libya, which is now engaging in the enslavement of black people? Obama bombed seven Muslim countries. It, literally, like, yeah. I was going to say, what African what countries got bombed. It's just so dumb. These are not... These are black Africans who are traveling from West Africa and God knows where, Sub-Saharan Africa, and being traded in Libya. But it's just interesting to see like alternative media, when you call them out, you catch them. I just really wanted to share that. Stay, stay angry, stay motivated, and, and stay educating people. And uh, don't forget, don't forget why. Katasi, any final thoughts? Um, I think final thoughts are like, I think UET, like what we are, is a really powerful medium. Um, and I, I'm, I'm happy that we have a space to have these challenging conversations. Um, yeah, and just to go back to the beginning, like we're not here to profiteer off this movement and food is what us to talk about this stuff broadly. So I'm, I'm down for this. Cool. Uh, oh, I think that the only thing to say is um, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you check out the other ones. Um, thanks. Bye. Thanks, guys. Catch you soon. See you later, guys. Till next time. Okay, we're done. We done done. Katasi's like, I ain't got time to say bye. Unsavory (laughs) ethnic types. Unsavory ethnic types. Savory ethnic types.